Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 46. We have Laura Smolier, founding partner at Berkeley Catalyst Fund. Laura has spent nearly two decades in Silicon Valley's technology sector with vast experience in building strategic partnerships and raising funds from Asia, harnessing the best assets of large corporations and small companies. Recently, she has developed a hybrid investment model containing nonprofit and for-profit components, working closely with the University of California, Berkeley, to create the Berkeley Catalyst Fund. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. It's been years since we saw each other. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely years. But you know, we're so closer we, now. We're definitely closer now. Uh, so, so just a little <laughs> bit of background how we met is at about, God, it's been six years or seven years ago uh, oh, when wow. I had yeah. this up with uh, Drew Bent, who's now the GSB. And we came right out of the uh, right out of the launch program, and you were so kind to join in as one of our advisors and and help guide us along the way uh, over over these over that incredible experience. Uh, so thank you again after all these years for your time, and I really hope we get to collaborate again on my next venture, which will hopefully come soon, maybe uh, with Drew. No uh, <laughs> today you're running the Berkeley Catalyst Fund, but before we get into what that is all about, which is fascinating, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about your background, some of the things that interest you, and how you got to where you are today. Okay, um, so I was trained technically, you know, I have a PhD in chemistry, so I did my undergrad at Columbia, and then I went to Berkeley for my PhD, and uh, probably the most impactful part of that was my advisor taking me to Taiwan my last year of graduate school. And uh, I worked in an institute he started there. I was writing my thesis and teaching people there about the kinds of work we did. And um, it it was just a fascinating time. It was my introduction to Asia. And um, I loved it. I, I just loved it. And it really... Uh, impacted my life after that. So when I came back and started working in the U.S., uh, my comfort zone was at the interface of U.S. and Asian companies. So I was always collaborating with companies in Taiwan and Japan, mostly at that time. And, what was it about uh, Asia and that experience in Taiwan that really captured your, your interest over there? You know, I think it was, um, it was like constant intellectual stimulation because everything was a challenge you know yeah even going to the market to buy vegetables you know i had to learn my numbers i had to learn some basic words in mandarin right all this stuff and i would go and practice and um you know the markets at that time uh everything was done by bargaining it wasn't like a posted price so i, I would really have to practice my numbers and it was so much wow. fun. It was like a sport. And um, like, and yeah. I would go each week and the vendors would see me improve each week. And they're very encouraging. It was kind of funny. <laughs> okay. So Laura, I want, but, uh, I want one advice for bargaining in Asia. Give me one advice. Oh, well, they taught me, you know, you do a bit of back and forth and then you storm out of the stall. You storm disgust. out. 
and then they you storm out and then they come and chase you <laughs> and then you go back <laughs> yeah it was it felt very strange as an american we don't have that culture here right so right um it was, yeah but um i kind of learned it was you know, a part of the culture and to engage that way. I mean, if I just went and bought something without bargaining, the vendor was seemed disappointed. They they really wanted to engage that way. Really? And um, yeah. And as my numbers, you know, as my Mandarin got a little better, it was, it was even more fun, but yeah. Um, wow. And so it, it was, it was an interesting yeah, experience. <laughs> okay. And so, um, so you but, form these relationships with Asia, which then formulate into more, more, much deeper rooted engagements over the next few decades, right? Yes. And so really the rest of my career, I've always been working with companies in Asia, collaborating, doing joint developments. Um, I have had investors from there in my startups. And um, yeah, it's been great. And I think, uh, and for Berkeley Catalyst Fund, we have a number of investors from Asia as well. So um, I've always been working that interface uh, between the US and and certain parts of Asia where I've been. I haven't been everywhere. And each country is different, um, which I think sometimes in America, we don't appreciate, Uh, you know, we just kind of gloss over it, but they are different. so then, yeah, what is so it about? So tell me about the Berkeley Catalyst Fund because it's it's a unique form of a fund uh, that's actually in partnership with, right. with the University of Berkeley. Right. So we formed the Berkeley Catalyst Fund actually at the request of the dean of the College of Chemistry. His name is Doug Clark, and um, the idea was to help commercialize things out of Berkeley, but also to return some financial benefit back to uh, to Berkeley. And it turns out that's kind of tricky to do with our tax laws in the U.S. Uh, because the university is a nonprofit institution. And okay. so uh, they're not supposed to be engaging in for-profit activities directly like venture capital. Um, so they but we figured out a way to do it. Just to make sure that I understand, the request was how can yeah. we, the University of Berkeley form a for-profit fund that both promotes entrepreneurs and new technologies, but also has potential returns for the university. Right. So they didn't form the for-profit fund. Yeah. So my partners and I are not university employees. We, we sit squarely outside of the university. And so we formed the fund, um, but we do have the UC Berkeley Foundation as a limited partner in the fund. And the foundation is allowed to do that. And so that's our connection. And we do return, uh, we're structured to return some of the financial benefit back through the foundation. So, um, yeah, and we're not restricted to deals from Berkeley, but the return is very specific back to Berkeley and to the College of Chemistry in Fund One. And um, so we have deals from Berkeley, from UCSF, even from Stanford. And one of my partners went to Stanford. So we have a lot of Berkeley-Stanford jokes. You know. Of but, course. Um, it's all good Big fun. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, we have 21 portfolio companies now. Wow. Okay. And, yeah, it's been um, really interesting. And we invest in things that are 
related topically to what's done in college of chemistry. So a lot of life science, a lot of materials, um, sustainability, things like that. So we're not doing pure software uh, in general. We, we are now seeing interface of machine learning with pharma. We do look at those kind of things or with materials development. Um, But we don't, we used to say we don't do iPhone games like um, the angry birds, but that kind of dates me now. Yeah. <laughs> so. And is that yeah. so? Is, is that at the request also of the of the University of Berkeley to go more of the academic route of deeper technology, deeper life sciences, and understanding how can we solve more meaningful problems using technology? Um. Yes, I think I think that what I heard mostly from professors was um, they wanted to see their work benefit society and get out there and be used. Yeah, and so they they kept asking, "Can you help me get it out and and used uh, by people?" And uh, I think at Berkeley the ecosystem isn't as developed as around Stanford, you know. So so it's a little bit harder for them to sure. do that. Uh, and so we were really trying to also bolster that ecosystem. And I think you know it's it's getting better, but it's it's there's still a ways to go. Um, and uh, yeah, but but it is it is getting better. Um, we do have some professors who have been serial entrepreneurs, very successful, but not at the same rate as Stanford. You know, and and there are a lot of professors who uh, have things, but they're sort of a, afraid to go into being a, you know a startup founder because it's a little daunting. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah, one professor told me that years ago when he started his startup. He literally went out and got one of the for dummies books because there was nobody else yeah. to help him on yeah. campus, you know. <laughs> so different. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, the, the experience um, that I'm seeing on, on my campus is that pretty much anywhere I turn, there's a different student group or a different VC that has presence on campus. You know, we have these campus heroes for practically every large VC in the Valley. And they have these hidden yeah. spies among students. I was <laughs> might be one of them uh, that go uh, and you know literally yeah. go like go into the um, engineering building, go into the basement, and just start talking to some of the PhD students over there and seeing what they're working on. And it's yeah. incredible, right? Yeah. So, um, so my partner Ted and I are graduates of the College of Chemistry, and because of that, I think there's a comfort with calling us that isn't there with most VCs. And so we're often referred to as the first safe phone call. So I get phone calls sometimes from professors saying, I think I have something, but I'm not sure. I love that. Or I've had something in stealth mode for years on grant money. And I think it should come out now, but I'm not sure. Can you just take a look and tell me what you think? And so, um, you know, I think they're very guarded about that kind of work. with most folks, but um, yeah, so we do we do enjoy early access and special relationship. We also have that with the tech transfer function at, at Berkeley. Um, okay, and so so, so are the terms yeah. set, or how, how does the fund actually operate? So uh, I'm I'm assuming this is early stage, pre seed, and seed, and then how do you how do you actually structure the deals often? Right. So um, we did start as a, a seed Series A type fund. Okay. 
Um, And we both lead and follow in deals. So if we're leading the deal, we're structuring the term sheet, leading the diligence, all that kind of stuff. If we're following some other venture firm is doing that. Uh, And um, so we, we actually like to spend quite a bit of time getting to know the teams and working through uh, what the plan is and what the term sheet should be. And, And we also help them assemble that syndicate when when it's a first time entrepreneur because they don't really have the um, connections to do that or know how to do it really so we're it's a lot of educational stuff going on in the in the process of this now one thing that did happen that's very nice for us that was unexpected is we also get invited into large and sometimes later stage deals that normally a small first time fund wouldn't see and that's because of the connection back to Berkeley and that we're benefiting Berkeley. So Wonderful. we have been invited into Series B. We just did a Series C. Um, so that was not expected. And, you know, we're a small check size compared to the really big uh, life science VCs, but that's okay. And some of them even put us in the press release, you know, alongside the big ones. So, you know, if you look on our website at 4D Molecular Therapeutics, that was uh, the first time that happened. Uh, and it, it was great. And we've had several of those. Usually there's a rather famous professor in those deals. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was interesting. But, yeah, most of our, I would say, roll-up-the-sleeves work is with earlier-stage uh, companies. And if we do lead the round, we take a board seat. So that's a huge commitment. And when you get into venture capital, you start realizing – the fundamentally, you know, rate limiting factor is your time and ability to sit on boards. And, you know, so uh, you can only sit on so many before you go crazy. And then when something hits everybody at once, like COVID or years ago, it was 9-11, all the you know, they're all needing help at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So, so, you know, you don't want to be overextended because you can't, you can't help them. So you will actually find sometimes to join as to go into as lead investors, even though it might make financially sense. But because you're you don't want to stretch too thin of your time and resource, you're say perhaps we'll be a follower on this one because we just don't have the capacity to be a, a partner in this. That's correct. And sometimes the topic would be better served by uh, a VC that is more steeped in that particular area um you know there's some and and where we know they're going to need more you know more capital an example would be like gene therapy gene therapy is um typically expensive to get it done and also um, there are firms that are very well steeped in that field so we would tend to follow in those um uh it, it depends a little bit where our comfort zone is you know so yeah. one of my partners, uh, Drew Lanza, who was happily retired from Morgan Baylor when we <laughs> pulled him into this, uh, he his expertise is really more uh, suited to these um, machine learning and AI type deals. So actually, that's been a huge asset now because we're seeing a lot of those intersect with pharma yeah. and materials development. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know. We, we try to draw on each other's strengths. We, we work very much as a team um, and we have different strengths. So we, we pull that 
together. And how long does it usually take for you to, once you see an interesting opportunity, uh, are, is it, is it a set around, does it revolve around the same time frame for you to do the due diligence process or is it dynamic in how you're in your confidence in the company? Um, you know, it really varies because often we're meeting companies before they're really ready for our money. So we're trying to coach them to get ready to be able to do a raise. Uh, and in that process, we're learning a lot about the team, but you know, they haven't really pushed go on an official raise yet. Right. And then later they're doing that. So, um, you know, it could, it could be several months before they're ready. Um, if we're leading, especially and trying to help them get prepared to raise. Yeah. If we're following, the dynamics of the deal vary a lot. And it, it it's, depends on what's going on with the larger investors in the deal and what the, you know, what the momentum is there. Um, but yeah, it, um, and it depends also how hard it is to do diligence or not. Some, some teams are better organized and prepared for diligence than others. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like how many iterations of asking for things and then getting the information back, you know, does it take? So, um, so, yeah, so there's that. Interesting. Okay. So, so where, where is this headed now? So, uh, you started this a few years ago and, and where, where do you see both yourself and Berkeley Catalyst Fund, let's say three, four years down the line? Right. So, um, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll be raising more funds. So we are preparing to raise a fund too. We what? already have some commitments for a fund too. Um, we are, we're kind of hampered by the lack of airplane flights right now yeah. <laughs> to go visit. So, you know, uh, it's a, it's a weird time to be raising. Sure. Um, so, you know, we wanted to be doing this a bit earlier, but it, it just wasn't feasible with COVID. Um, now we're, we're working through it a bit. Um, so I see us raising, growing the firm modestly you know to to because you need more partners uh, as of you course. as you grow of course um yeah. and also expanding our reach i think uh we we do see quite a bit from stanford we'd love to spend more time there um and do more out of there well, i um, love to UCSF. there that'd be great and um we do get sent deals from uc davis and uc santa cruz actually one of our deals has a uc santa cruz professor in it um, because we're an unusual in the ecosystem. There's just not that many funds that serve those campuses. So exactly. Um, yeah. And then we also see things from alumni. You know, we're not restricted to a deal coming out of the university. Definitely. So, um, yeah. Wonderful. And, you know, we have a very healthy deal flow. That was one of the first questions investors asked us. Would you have enough deal flow? In? I'm sure. And um, it's an overwhelming amount of deal flow. It's, yeah. In fact, it was overwhelming before we had our website up and I was a little worried about what's going to happen when we have a website <laughs> because, wow. you know, then, then everybody sees us. So, yeah. Um, but that's a good thing. You know, the more you see, the smarter you, you get and it helps you filter things out. And um, some of our investors have participated in deals with us. You know, they co-invest alongside us. And the comments I get from some of them is that our deal flow is um, higher quality than what they see in a lot of other firms. 
Um, I think in some ways, uh, working closely with the universities, it's kind of a natural filter. So, um, you know, we're not getting the deals that violate fundamental laws of thermodynamics or stuff like that, which I have seen that in other firms. So, (laughs) so it's nice to have um, high quality deal flow. I love that. No, you, Laura, you know, you are such an inspiration to me back then, still now. And, and, I'm, and I know how much value you gave me personally as a rising entrepreneur. And I'm sure that you give the you give same, if not higher value to all your portfolio companies. So definitely, I, I'm looking forward to reaching out when I have my own venture and, and collaborating oh, again. Oh, please do. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. And before we leave, <laughs> I have to ask you the last question. Three words that best describe you. Right. Um, uh, I guess tenacious is one that I was reminded of the other day. Um, I, um, I'm very relationship oriented, um, and venture capital is a relationship business. And, um, gosh, uh, integrity is very important to me. I love that. I love that. I guess. Those are the words I would, I would pick. Laura, thank you so, so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Definitely. See see where you've gone. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Take care. And I'll see you at Stanford when we have coffee. Take care. Yeah. (laughs) Looking forward to that. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.